You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It is the 1st of October, 2015. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined by Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And uh, Dave, you know, we, we, we missed it. Yesterday was our day. Yesterday was International Podcasters Day. Oh. Well... well Hat tip to Brasco. He's been doing uh, a great job and has his own podcast and has to manage, uh, has to wrangle uh, the cats that are <laughs> the, oh. the hosts and co-hosts. Thank you. Not, not only does Brasco have his own podcast, uh, you know, as I hear it, he's the king of podcasts. I, I hear the same thing. Got to shine that crown. <laughs> well, actually, you know what? If anyone should be recognized on International Podcast Day, it is our very own uh, Dr. Johnny Brasco. Uh, the guy who was like, how, how long have you been at this, Brasco? Well, you just said that. I was about to just go and say, bugger. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, podcasting itself has been a little over 10 years. 10 years and um, two months. Podcasting. That's how long pad- podcasting itself has been. 21 years on radio. 21 years total on radio. Wow. Yeah. So for, uh, for for over 10 years... And here, here on this station, WebmasterRadio.fm, we're ten years old this uh, this year, last year. No, it was, it was uh, last year. It was count after a while. We're eleven years old this year, but for over ten years, Brasco has been bringing podcasts, hundreds, thousands of them, to yeah. the uh, to the to the listening audience. And uh, so, Brasco, to you, brother. 
belatedly, happy International Podcasters Day. Thank you, Jimmy. Thanks, Dave. It means a lot. Really does. Pleasure. Pleasure. Okay. It's awesome to have you here. We should. It's, it's kind of awesome to be here, too. And uh, we're only here because we actually talk about stuff that people are interested in. Oh, do we need to do that now? Yeah, we do. We probably right. should. Okay. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, right now, as we speak, in New York City, uh, SMX is happening. Uh, Search Marketing Expo, um, the umpteenth edition, <laughs> is happening in New York City. I, I lose track. I mean, it's been, for, again, with uh, how, how long has it been since Danny's been doing uh, uh, SMX? Oh, when was that switch over? 2005, Come. maybe? Was it that early? 2006? Okay. Yeah, anyway, I, it's been a long time. It has been. And so, yeah, SMX is on in New York. Uh, really wish we were there. Um, similarly, really wish we'd be at PubCon next week. <laughs> I understand Webmaster Radio will be at PubCon next week. Not officially, but, you know, there'll be all, a number of the characters will be there. Um, interesting stuff coming out of uh, SMX in New York. Uh, earlier today, actually, uh, earlier today, just a few minutes ago, Barry Schwartz reported that Gary Illis of Google... <laughs> and I don't get this. Like, maybe you don't got to understand. You know, it's one of these things you just t- don't got to understand. But apparently, according to Gary Ellis, if you go HTTPS, you know, secured socket layer, you secure your site like Google said to for SEO purposes, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> now, Dave, I don't know what to say about this because um, – if I remember correctly, didn't Google say if you go HTTPS, you will get a rankings boost? And didn't they subsequently say that all things being equal, they would promote the HTTPS site over the non-secure site? Yep. Okay, so, you know, I'm not having one of those crazy memory things where I just remember stuff that didn't really happen. Uh, no, no, that it's, it's not you, Jim. It's them. Um, and this is a, another one of those times and... You know what, I, I, I ref- reflect back on the days, and I know you do too, uh, when Matt Cutts was around. And at least he wouldn't say what he wouldn't say, and he would say what he would say, but at least there was a consistent messenger <laughs> sending information to webmasters. Um, this doesn't make any sense. Um, they're, they're asking website owners to to move over to HTTPS. They've, been tell, you know, they've said it's, it's, it's an important thing to do, it's a good thing to do. If you're not doing it for search, well, what if I have a five-page brochure site? You know, I'm a, I'm a restaurant. I have my menu up, contact, and like a reservation, you know, contact page or so. You know, basically, I have a site that has no real need to be secure. Should I? Should I secure it? Every message from Google until now was, yeah, you, you still should. A secure web is better. Um, you know, you're not taking any confidential information, so why would you? Um, if you're, you know, just a, just a brochure site. So I, I think it's a mixed message. I think it sends a bad message. I mean, ironically about uh, half an hour before reading that, um, I had just told a client, Hey, we're out of your high season, you know, time to, you know, bite the bullet. You know, now it's, now it's time to, to get this, you know, taken care of. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so now here we, here we are. So, uh, I don't know. Let's let's go to a question I have for you, Jim. Do you buy it? Would you still do it? Are you still going to recommend it, even though they're saying, "Hey, it's not it's not for SEO"? Would you recommend it to a client that has no other need for secure for a secure site? 
<laughs> yes, with yes, with a very very big caveat. When you go uh, HTTPS, you run the risk of seeing a a two to eight week period of declining rankings, and I'm gonna go on a limb and say it could be as high as ten percent. That's gonna happen. Yeah, you've just given Google a whole bunch of new URLs to parse through. And you will, you know, you will see decline in rankings um, for 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 all your keyword terms, really. Um, but it'll bounce back. It, I can also assure you that it will bounce back again. Um, I believe that we're that HTTPS is critical for the mobile web. There's a lot of information being transmitted. Uh, Via wireless, um, that's easily um, uh, what's, what's, that's 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 easily hackable. Yeah. So if you're and and any communication between uh, host and uh, between the host server and a recipient and a client, that carries identifiable information, even if they haven't typed in their real name or their uh, their social social security number or anything like that. You're still passing identifiable information in one way or another, Very and that true. information is interceptable. So, yeah, I do believe that a secure layer is important. Um, I'm not sure if that actually offers any any reasonable protection in the mobile environment, to be honest. But I do believe that we're building an environment for the future, and it's essential that we make that environment as secure as possible. Is SSL the most secure um, means of of, of encrypting data between host and recipient? I don't know. Do I think it's important? Well, from an eco- from an ecologist standpoint, yes. From a marketing standpoint, no. Again, that's, that's a tough question to answer. It would really depend on the client and on their needs. But I'd suggest that they're going to have to do it eventually, so you may as well do it now. Well, you know what? And that's, like, let's look at cost to implement, really, most cases, as long as you got somebody who knows tech, which I'm going to assume is everybody listening right now. Uh, it is a very, very low barrier to entry, mm-hmm. <laughs> like astronomically low barrier. So, um, but you bring up a really, really good point, and something else for um, for people pondering um, the switch if you haven't done it already is most of most, if not all, I think it's all, but uh, there may be some exceptions here. I don't know about um, of your social shares will not move with you. So, if you have a page with a thousand social shares, the traffic will. The traffic's going to redirect, assuming you do it properly. But when you look at a page, it's now a new URL. Um, so those won't carry. So if it's important for you to show shiny share numbers, um, you know, you're, you'll be hesitant to do it. Um, you know, one thing you may want to consider, and if you're in WordPress, it's, well, and in all the systems, it's easy. Uh, most of them will have something where you can start counters at certain points. So you could go in and just go, okay, I was at this before, so I'm just going to start my counter at that. Sure you would. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll just add another zero. <laughs> but it is there to do it, and if you're going to do it right, you might, you know, you, you you can sort of transfer that information across anyway, and and get your get your real numbers at least visible to users. Um, yeah, but there, I guess, I guess that's that, and that's a little more confusion from Google, and this is why we all have to sort of half um, listen to Google when they're saying stuff because they might change their minds later, or they might just be full of it sometimes. Now, just to, to try to interpret on Gary's behalf, it could be he's going with the old line, if you're doing anything strictly for SEO purposes, you're doing it wrong. And you know what? I might even I might agree with that statement as a really general statement. 
<laughs> but, you know, to talk specifically about um, SSL, after Google, through the SEO community, promoted SSL, yeah. is somewhat disingenuous, eh? Oh, yeah. No, that's just, that's just silliness. Um, so, anyway... That's where we're. That's where we're at with that, and uh, that's our SMX story of the day. That came out of SMX today. Here's a good one. Um, Google's looking for applications for a trusted tester of search. Uh, people who are interested in testing new search tools and documenting the uh, their tools, their documentation, and their services. They're looking for people who are actively working in these roles. Web developer, app developer, design or user experience, uh, a search engine marketer or a search engine optimization specialist. People who are in management and marketing. If you're the owner of the company, and then they have the ubiquitous other category, other. So if you're other, Google might be looking for you. Um, if you go over to uh, the SEM post, uh, uh, one of the lead stories, uh, apply to be a Google trusted Trusted Tester for Search. There's a link to uh, a Google page where there's a short five-minute survey you got to fill out. If Google wants you, they'll get in touch. You'll have to give them your Search Console information so that they can whitelist it, your, your, your personal Search Console profile, and you'll be testing new stuff that the rest of us don't get to see. That's kind of cool, eh? Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I, I could just, I'll bet... Almost everybody in our listening audience right now is heading over to the SEM post right now. <laughs> Damn. Who doesn't I remember to announce that stuff at the end of the show? <laughs> Would you do that? Like, think, think about this for a second. If you became a Google trusted tester, would uh, do you think you'd be more powerful as an SEO? Do you think you'd have more stats to report to your client, or would that mess up what you're currently reporting? You know what? It's a, it's a bit to me, uh, it would create an environment a bit like reading patents, right? I mean, just because they're testing something doesn't mean they're doing something, right? Like where it can sort of send you off in, in wrong directions unless you've started to see some evidence of it. Uh, but at the end of the day, as long as your brain is tuned to the fact that just because they're showing you something doesn't mean they're going to do it. And heck, you might have selected SEO as your profession in their form and they might go, yeah, we're giving all the false positives over there. you you never know with google right like what what they might do like let's show these people some wacky stuff and see who blogs about i mean i'm sure you have to sign ndas before you can do the test but oh indeed yeah Yeah, there's there's no way you're allowed to talk about this after no indeed uh but at the end of the day as long as your brain is is registered to understand that everything it takes in may not and actually think about the application of each thing you're looking at you know, information is power, right? Like anytime you can get a, a sneak peek at something for other people and it's starting to make sense and you factor it in, you know, would it actually make sense to do this or not? Does it actually add value? And if it does to you um, and it does, you know, you can see a, a broad application of it uh, across the web that would help their searchers, uh, then you've just had a, had a bit of a sneak peek into the future. And yeah, while you may not be able to talk about it, you can certainly be aware that your strategies need to involve it. Yeah, I, I, I'll sign up. Well, if you do sign up and you happen to come across a uh, Google keyword determination tool, <laughs> and, you know, let me run a couple tests. I'd appreciate it. <laughs> well, I, I, don't, I don't think they allow that, Jim, but maybe we can work something out. Now that it's just secret, just between the, the two of us and everybody listening. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Okay, you know what? We're at about 20 minutes after the hour. Everything else that's on my list now will take more than a couple minutes to, uh, to cover. So this is probably a good time to take a break or take our first yeah. break. Um, if, again, if we jump into any other topic now, we'll just have to break it in half. So uh, I, I want to take a break right now, if, uh, if that's okay with studio. So on behalf of Dave Davies out in Victoria with Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 1st of October. That's so ominous. 1st of October, 2015. Stick around. We've got a lot more coming up on Webcology after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis. SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Finding links to improve your rankings in the search engines is time-consuming and frustrating for many of us. The Hoth is the go-to company to help lighten your link-building load. Their white-label SEO was made specifically for agencies, in-house SEOs, and affiliates. The Hoth also offers high-quality custom local citation building to improve search rankings in Google's Maps and localized results, providing fulfillment for some of the largest SEO companies in the world. The Hoth offers link and citation building services you can trust. Get $20 in link building or citation building credits free by going to thehoth.com slash radio. T-H-E-H-O-T-H dot com slash radio. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It's the 1st of October, 2015. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Waste Media, Dave Davies from Beatsock Internet Marketing. And uh, Dave, do you... uh? You know, when you're when you're, when you're walking about, when you're having lunch, when you're on the bus, maybe do you use your uh, your mobile phone to uh, like surf newspapers or uh, get news? Of course. Now, I, I assume you do as well. Oh, I, I do. I'm sure most of our listeners do. The New York Times released a uh, an, an interesting interesting set of infographics today. The cost of mobile ads on 50 news websites now. This is the cost of the ad to the user based on a typical American data plan where, say, like, you know, downloading uh, 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 data costs maybe one cents per, per meg, one cents per megabyte. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, users may have, like, unlimited plans, may have different plans. Some have pay-as-you-go plans, whatever. But on average, uh, according to the New York Times, 
it's about a penny per meg on, on mobile download. Now, on your mobile device, which you, you use an Android, right? Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna get we're gonna get to why you're not a why you're not a deviant pervert later. Um, <laughs> swear we will. <laughs> on your Android, do you use any ad blocking software? I don't. No. You might want to think about it because a number of the newspapers, even with mobile-friendly pages, have video advertisements that are like running on their uh, on their on their online uh, uh, online pages. Yep. And those video ads take a lot of time, a lot of megabytes, and a heck of a lot of money to load. For instance, Boston.com. The, uh, the Boston Globe. Boston.com. Video advertising accounts for 15.4 megabytes, which costs about 32 cents to, de- you know, to, it costs about 40 cents to download Boston.com's homepage. The editorial content will cost you about 8 cents, but the advertising will cost you 32 cents. Uh, another one, uh, New York Times. Where's that on the list? They have a very sparse uh, website, costing only about three cents to download ads and four cents to down. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, three cents to download ads and about four cents to download content. Chicago Tribune, ten cents to download ads, three cents, covering the cost of uh, content data. L.A. Times, about eight cents to download ads, four cents to download. Um, editorial content. That's kind of amazing. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see the sites, and I mean, Boston is is definitely the worst, like Boston dot com here. Um, but it's interesting to see when you're as you're looking down the the list, and it's over on the New York Times dot com um, to actually see who's sorry, it's, it's color coded, so the ones in yellow are ad. Uh, sorry, I'm mentioning it's for our listeners. The ones in yellow are are ad. Um, and the one, you know, the, the part of the bar in blue is the actual editorial. And it's interesting to see who's got what ratios. Um, like you look at the Guardian with 0.2 on ads, mm-hmm. uh, so seconds to download the ads, and then 6.8 on editorial. You could actually look down this list and actually start making decisions on, hey, which uh, news sources do I want to go to based purely on who's providing me more editorial information quickly. Um, like yep. as a percentage of of the total page, um, I know that looking at these ratios, yeah, I'd, you know, the Guardian just won some points with me. I know I'm not going to be inundated with a whack of ads. Um, that I'm going to get some advertising. I prefer to pay the piper, right? They they need to generate revenue to keep producing good content. All of them do. Um, so, that, which is why I don't use ad blocking software. But um, at the same time, you know, you look at the Guardian and go, you understand your medium here on mobile. Um, and you're you're doing this right and making sure yes you're you're making the revenue it costs to put out that bandwidth, but at the same time, um, you know you're providing you're providing a, a good deal of content as a percentage of that ad, um, as opposed to to Boston that's actually showing what did they come in at? Sorry, we were on our on our ratios anyway. It was brutal. Fifteen point four megabytes worth of ad content to four megabytes worth of editorial content. Right, like just brutal. <laughs> it's just a brutal ratio. So. Now, um, of course. Sorry. Well, I, I brought this up uh, on this show most, uh, mostly, not 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 to make fun of the Boston Boston.com, um, 
out of, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I, being in Toronto, it's easy to make fun of Boston and New York and Tampa and Baltimore and, you know, all of those cities. But, um, congratulations, Jim. I know. Yeah, we won the ALEs, Tom. That did, yeah. was in Kansas City. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I digress. <laughs> And kudos, you didn't just win by a little bit. What was it, 15 no, to we, 2? Was it like 15 to 1? Like, wow. Um, yeah. But again, we digress. I'm a, the, the, the webmasters, we're moving into a mobile environment. And the days of, how, how to say, the days of virtually free data are over. Or they're, they're closing. In a mobile environment, everything costs the user. And users, as you said, David, like you were saying a second ago, you, you know, you looking at this chart, you might actually be making information source choices. Now that you know it's that you're actually paying for this, right? Yeah. So you know, webmasters, when you're when you're thinking of content that you're putting up on your on your site, especially in a mobile universe, think hard about how long that content takes to load and what kind of choices your users are going to have to make. If your website starts costing them money into the future, almost oh, certainly, and something to be aware of is if your target is international, you're dealing with very different costs. Like these prices are based on American users. Yeah, uh, cost per meg is is a lot lower in the United States than it is in a lot of countries. And so, if you're trying to target your content to other countries, you've just cost them even more um, than that, which ultimately costs you or your client. And um, this is something, obviously, this is going to be um, the next generation of SEO. Maybe it'll be like MEO, mobile, mobile optimization, Moo. Um, where's Ryan Jones when you need him? We need to I start know. a new trend, the, the mobile optimization authorities, the Mao. <laughs> um, yeah, this is definitely up Ryan Jones. This is definitely up Ryan Jones. It definitely is. Um, but yeah, think about that in the future when you're building your websites, building out your sites. Video content is excellent, but you got to optimize the heck out of it. And yeah, we need to make money. All of us as publishers need to make money. But think about those video ads and the strain you're putting, not only on the bandwidth and how long it takes to download, but on on the pocketbook of uh, of your users. Well, indeed, indeed. Um, now, speaking of things that smartphones can do, and you showed me this right before the show, and things that smartphones can tell you other than your bill has just Ooh. gone up, but let's talk about websites that can jack up your mobile bill. <laughs> um, that's right. I said jack up your mobile bill, Jim. Um, you, you sent this across. You probably know a, a little bit more about it than I am, so I'm just going to read the title and you take it from there. Pornhub. And this oh, jeez. Yes. Um, thanks your <laughs> smartphone choice. Uh, reflects your kinks. Now, I can only assume they're pulling from that, that um, in their analysis, specific um, people attracted to specific types of phones oddly are then attracted to different types of pornography. I assume that this is what they're getting at. But uh, but tell me more. Well, that's exactly what they're getting at. You know, there was a study done a few years ago in the United States that showed that um, Pepsi drinkers tend to be Republican, while Coca-Cola drinkers tend to be Democrat. Well, similarly, according to uh, the adult website, the adult uh, repository Pornhub, who incidentally, (laughs) everything that happens online is tracked, friends. Back in 2010, 
desktop browsing accounted for about 88% of uh, traffic at Pornhub. But in 2015, that figure has dropped to 37%. So the traffic going to what's probably the largest repository of porn on the web, Pornhub, 37% desktop, down from 88% just five years ago. You know what that means if you feel like doing the math, right? (laughs) 63% of their traffic is coming from mobile. So that's, you know, either probably Android or iOS. Okay, Android or Apple. Android, about 32%. Apple, about 31% of traffic to Pornhub. So 63% uh, 63 of the traffic to Pornhub comes from Android or Apple. Apple fans tend to hang around for 8 minutes and 40 seconds or so, while Android fans will hang around for about 10 minutes and 6 seconds. But remember what I said uh, about everything being tracked? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, 74.5% of those users are male, while 25.5% are female. Um, The extra 0.1%, not sure. So the extra 1%, I don't know. Anyway, um, everything is tracked, remember? iOS users are 105%. And 66% more likely to search for bondage and fetish content than their Android-using friends. Well, the opposite is true for uh, Android, where 138%, where users are 138% more likely to search for BBW and material based on cartoons. So, um, well, apparently Apple users are really into bondage and fetish content. While Android users are into, you know, like, full-figured women and, um, uh, well, I guess, you know, Simpsons porn. <laughs> now, All right. you got to know, friends, that when you're surfing porn on your uh, mobile device, hey, you're probably in a public place. What the hell's the matter with you? <laughs> well, you can't wait. And B, you're being watched. It's tagged to you. They know that you're into that, like... Tied up sheep porn. Very Excellent. delicate way of putting that. <laughs> um, this just, you know, we, we worry about our privacy on Facebook so much so that people are putting up that insane and completely meaningless legal jargon. Um, and there's a, you know, recently a Facebook hoax about how, you know, your information, my information is private to me and my pictures belong to me and I claim my copyright over myself and, you know, you people, oh my goodness, like, seriously. I mean, I mean, I guess if you're going to wank, wanking on Facebook is good. Not on the subway while looking at your mobile device. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, it weirds me right out, man, like, seriously. Hey, um, like, like, yeah, 63% of people visiting the porn site are visiting on their mobile device, which means they're probably doing it near kids. All right. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that fear of anybody going anywhere on their mobile device. Of course, they can track that on a, you know, the the, the same tracking is available on uh, on desktops as well. Um, you know, as, as we is, all but know, chances are not near kids or in a public place. <laughs> but let's 
let's move. We've got a, a uh, that's let's <laughs> before you get further irate. Uh, moving on to something I think is is super important, marketers and Jim. Thank you for bringing this to my attention because I hadn't been to the Recode site. Actually, I haven't been there in, in at least a couple. Oh, this of weeks. is a good one. I love this. It is a great one. Twitter planning to go beyond the 140 character limit. Now, I, I, you know what? Let's just start with this, Jim. What do you think about this? I mean, this is what Twitter is. Um, so, what do you think? Is this a good move or or is this a bad move? We know it's an important move. Good question. Um, well, first of all. Twitter is Twitter as we know it will stay relatively near 140 characters. One of the changes that they're talking about is um, removing, say, name or URL information from the character limit. Yep. So, and I think that would be excellent because I hate having to I hate having to twit it when when people uh, make their messages too long that the URL even even a uh, truncated URL can't fit into the message. So you either have to remove one of the people from you know the, the thread of persons who this tweet was passed through, or you have to twedit the message, which is like Twitter editing, twediting. <coughs> I just, I just, I just like having to do that. So if Twitter was to uh, remove, say, the names and URLs and allow 140 characters in of content text, I think that would be really cool. But what I think Twitter is really going to do is introduce a new product. There'll be Twitter as you know it, and then there'll be like Twitter long form, um, Twitter LF. And uh, my jury's out. I mean, yeah, I think that could actually be really useful if it was an addendum to the Twitter product we know and love today. But Twitter is, I mean, Twitter's all about speed and instant information, right? Right. Um, so making it long form, I think, would take away from the uh, the uh, uh, frantic nature that people like in Twitter. Oh, indeed. I mean, Twitter is. I mean, it's it's a go to, right? I'm sure you use it a lot. I use it increasingly more and more every year. Um, Twitter becomes my go to information source. Um, for people who don't know how to make that happen, where you're like, ah, it's all cluttered. Just go through, spend like a couple hours one day. I had to do this and just unfollow all those people you're actually not interested in. <laughs> Once you do that, your Twitter stream actually becomes a very useful place to look for information. Um, but yeah, if if they extended it just, you know, full bore and, and made this a, an extension and, and increased it to even 200 or something, it would lose that appeal to me um, in what it is. Um, which is a quick and easy, you have to be able to summarize this in, you know, 140 characters. And you, I, I agree with you. I wouldn't mind if they took the URL out of that and let you actually have your 140 characters to actually type. Um, but yeah, including all of that would be, uh, would be great. I'd like to still see limits on names, even in that instance. Um, maybe not included in that 140, but can you imagine the world where, you know, a shout out to and just a shout out to everybody in your name list, right? Like they have to say that one, <laughs> right? Like, you know, follow Friday and, and you know, here's a, a list of the 3,000 people that you, you know, are connected with, right? Or something like that would be, uh, would be quite annoying, my Twitter stream. But, or maybe that would be uh, Twitter Darwinism and it would just teach me who to unfollow very rapidly. Well, uh, does Twitter need to change its service? Is there essentially a problem with Twitter? Um, I personally don't think so. Um, I could see sort of an integration, um, and, and there's a couple ways they could do it. They could either have like where you have to type a tweet, and then you know like a little arrow appears, and when you click it, there's more information if they wanted to extend it. So 
you know, you have your 140 to start with, like, a, you know, whatever, like a title tag or like a description tag of the content to follow. And then the user could to decide whether they wanted to read more, but you better be good and get your full information in that first part to make me want to. Um, they could go that route or they could launch a, a secondary product. I think to me, that's less likely because they have such a strong usership. But if you'd asked me a couple years ago, I would say Facebook separating to a messenger app on mobile uh, would be unlikely because they already have everybody in one place. So it didn't make sense to do. Um, so so you, you never did it. They went ahead and did it. It didn't go great for them. And I don't think Twitter has the sort of ability to sort of stay that course through to something that may not receive as much adoption. Well, uh, um, Twitter's problem is its valuation is enormous, but its ability to accrue revenues is still – I don't think that advertisers have really wrapped their brain around how to properly use Twitter yet. Right. Um I know we have to go to break pretty soon, but uh, I was at a um, it's one of the last great um, uh, uh, search engine strategy shows. This, this one was in Toronto. I think it was two years ago. Um, and uh, Kristen Stewart, CEO of uh, Twitter Canada, was speaking. And she was talking about how Twitter Canada was using event, like real-time events, say a episode of an extremely popular sitcom or a sports event, and marketing in real time based on whatever happened either in that TV show, a, uh, a glass of juice was passed, here's a clever thing we can tweet about it, um, or in the sporting event. Moreover, they were able to, to interact, advertisers were able to interact with users directly based on the shared experience and uh, uh, Kristen Stewart, again, CEO of Twitter Canada, was saying this is how you're going to make money if you want to be an advertiser on Twitter. What she didn't say was how Twitter was making money on that. Right. So I could see them needing to introduce a new level of service or a new type of service if they Snap, think it'll be a revenue Snap. generator. I know your Snap story is... Is that a hint? Like, seriously. The king of podcasts has spoken. Yeah, King of Body. <laughs> that's the new that's, that's the new tagline. The King of Body guys have spoken. So on that, I think we have to take a break here on Webcology. <laughs> We're going to leave that with an open question. Dave, do you really think that Twitter would introduce a uh, new product if they needed the revenue? But before Dave can answer that, apparently we have to take a break here on Webcology. The King of Podcasts has spoken. So on behalf of Dave Davies, you're based on Internet Marketing. This is Jim Andrew from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm on the 1st of October, 2015. And we're going to be back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Internet Marketing Inc. designs fully integrated digital programs that improve brand experiences and grow businesses through valuable data insights and strategy across all types of media. Paid, owned, and earned. Their digital experts nimbly adapt strategy by providing you a comprehensive view of your brand's online audience and program performance. If you are looking for a data-driven approach to online marketing and advertising, call Internet Marketing Inc. today at 866-563-0620 or visit internetmarketinginc.com. 
Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 216691. That's RADIO to 216691 for Moby Mantis. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point click, and it's live in real time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point click, and it's live in real time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Web College here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It's the 1st of October, 2015. We're running into our last segment here on Webcology. Um, it's Jim Hedger from Digital Noise Media, Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And Dave, we've got a bunch of stuff that you want to talk to, uh, we want to talk through. I do want to touch on that patent that you were looking at, uh, um, uh, a method of dealing with abandonment, which is sad. Before that, what happens if Google perceives that for one reason or another, you've abandoned your website or your server has abandoned you. You ever, uh, you ever run across, uh, server errors in your, uh, in your uh, profession there, Dave? <laughs> I, I, I would not have been doing this for more than a day if I hadn't hit server errors from time to time. They freak me out. <laughs> I gotta tell you, when I, when, when one of my client servers go down, Everything stops, and it's the most important thing in the world to make sure the client gets their site back up, like now. Lest Googlebot visit, which it does like daily, and get itself a 500 error. One form of 500 error or another. So, today in, uh, in uh, Search Engine Land, Austin Blay wrote a great article on his company's experiments with 500 errors. Now, one of the things that we have to worry about as SEOs is Google's index is like almost hours fresh. We have an, we have we we're now dealing with a Google that updates itself on an hourly basis, eh, or a minute by minute, really. Yep. Um, we'll call it uh, the I I call it Everchurn. 
That's just that's just like my little internal code for it is Everturn, something that's just always moving and always updating and always always instructing itself. So in the olden days, when your when your server went down, you you wanted to get your site up as fast as possible. But you know sometimes it wasn't going to cause a problem. Today it could cause an immediate problem. So again, check out Search Engine Land today. In the era of a, of super fresh indexes, what happens when? Uh, different types of 500 or server errors are encountered by Google. To, uh, to put it down as quickly as possible, if it's a localized error, it only happens once, chances are you're not going to see a huge drop. If it's an intermittent error and Google comes across the, the same error a couple of times, you're going to see a drop. If you have, like, say, 18 hours of downtime, you're going to see a drop. And if you eventually get to like a 503 service unavailable response, you're going to lose everything. <laughs> yeah, that's a good Cole's notes or Cliff notes, depending on what side of the border you're on. Definitely worth a read. Um, when this show went to air, uh, so at 2 o'clock on uh, the 1st of October, it was the very first story at Search Engine Land. When uh, podcast readers hear it, I'm, I'm not so sure where it's going to be, but the, the article was written by Austin Blay, a super fresh Google index, server errors and ranking impacts, definitely worth the, as a matter of fact, I would say this is required reading for SEOs. Definitely. Um, another thing that I think, you know, it's not necessarily required reading, reading yet, but, you know, if you're working with e-commerce sites, then shopping cart abandonment or if you're you know, working with websites, bounce rates. Those are important. Yeah. Dave, you, uh, you wrote up something on a uh, patent that was um, filed in March, March of 2014 and issued September 17th, 2015. User path abandonment analysis. Well, it's a Google patent. What's it all about? It is. It's, uh, you know, I, I like to read my patents. Well, like might be a, a bit of a strong word to use there, but I read them. <laughs> um, this is definitely one of the more interesting ones that I've encountered over the last months. Anyway, um, it was uh, invented by Neil Hoyne, um, who works over in the analytics department um, over at Google. Um, user path abandonment analysis. What got me excited about this? Once I started reading it, at first it seemed to to focus uh, a lot on quality scores and and reading quality scores for um, you know abandonment paths. And and I was in the beginning interpreting this. Uh, I'll, and, and this is still valuable information for anybody involved in paid search, um, using the the idea of different paths. So following a path through a site, but actually having a second system following different paths. Um, through the site, what this system does is it combines these two paths that have a high abandonment, um, it takes from that, uh, looks for common factors between them and different factors between them and tries to extrapolate from that what the cause, the root cause of the abandonment is. So it may be as simple as um, one path may come you know, starting in at the homepage and continuing the same way through from organic search and one might come through on paid search, right? Okay. They may have a different, a different route to go there. But we're both going, let, let, let's, let's say I'm taking one path and you're taking the other. We're both going to page X. Yeah. I come in through, through a paid search path. You come in through an organic path. Yeah. We do whatever, we, we get to the same page and we both split. 
That, that's what this is looking at, right? It's looking at that. It's looking at what if we both leave at the same point, in which case they – and they always refer to as may, but um, they may assume at that point it's the page itself is the problem, right? Fair enough, right? If we both leave at the same part and everybody entering at this from various points leaves at the same point, that page is the problem, right? Unless it's a converted okay. page. Um, if organic users tended to go through or one could take it down to if keyword X – led people through and they continued on and keyword Y did not, okay, well, maybe the keyword is less relevant or maybe this path is more sure. you know, uh, apt for organic users or users from referral X, Y, or Z. Um, so that's at first what, what I was taking this to mean. Now, where it got really, really interesting um, was where they started talking about providing feedback to um, companies when they see patterns in past user behavior. So following an individual user and going, hey, we notice on aggregate users are visiting four of your different support pages and then going to your abandonment page, right? Like either they're abandoning or abandoning the service at that point. Hey, we could start sending triggers to these people and going, users are spending a lot of time and here's the pages they're going to. Like actually starting to model for you, hey, here's what users are doing before they're discontinuing a service. Okay, that's awesome. Um, and, and picking up those extrapolations. But where it got super interesting for me um, is in, in the portion where they're actually looking at different path analysis, breaking down where the abandonment point is, and they actually discuss adjusting. Um, and they referred to it both as adjusting, say, an ad, um, so displaying different ads, but they also reference adjusting different content types, and one could extrapolate from that layout types. Um, basically having a website that is adjusting itself based on um, user behavior patterns. When it sees and you know, looking at how much they're talking about users and different paths and sources, um, one could look at that and go, okay, if they see a high abandonment rate among organic users at this page, well, okay, then we need to adjust that page when organic comes through. But we can, I mean, it doesn't, you know, whereas when they're paid, okay, we need to have this layout because that layout's working for our page users on phrase X, but not Y. I mean, one can easily start to see at the, at, right at the very beginning, it is so easy to see how Google themselves would use that. Like, it's just, right out there right like do i tend to click on that map in the top right when it shows up or do i not adjust it if i don't right like why do i have the same layout as you do jim it doesn't make sense um because we will search differently and as we you know attend things at different times a day i'm looking at different things um and that's really what this patent started to look at um it's it's very very interesting um no. anyway, I, sorry from your description, Dave, you, uh, perhaps I could be forgiven for for feeling like this is a way of um, how does, well. You're not actually introducing cloaking, really, but you will be serving up different sets of information based on user ex- previous, based on assumptions about user experiences. Yes. Yes, you will. Where what? they seem to have a stable point. Um, was on the actual core content, um, where they, the, the patent itself, it does discuss bringing in content from different providers, including third-party providers, which I found interesting. Um, and, and they do mention affiliates in it as well. Um, but the content itself, through the, the later parts when they were talking about actually adjusting, and it's a, it's a fairly sizable patent, um, when they're getting into the later parts about adjusting things, 
Um, that seemed to focus more on ads and, and things like images or layout as opposed to adjusting the actual content. So I think that was their way of avoiding the, the cloaking issue is we're not displaying different content at different times. We're just maybe adjusting the menu system or maybe adjusting, um, you know, which links are showing up to different products or, you know, these sorts of things. Or, or is there a different slightly different structure to this page that would work for user X versus user Y uh, I as opposed to different content? I wonder if a third-party tool could have been developed, you know, um, in in you know solution of Google outside of Google. If Google would have allowed adop- adoption of this tool, yeah. See, that's interesting because I mean, you brought it up. Cloaking in the wrong hands, a technology <laughs> that does that <laughs> um, could lead to some very significant user issues. Um, at the same time, you know, would it actually lead to user issues as long as you built in the technology, and I'm sure Google would, that goes, okay, but if we're landing a person at that page, like if we're ranking a page for X, Y, or Z, it doesn't matter if they come from organic. The path doesn't matter because they're not starting at the normal point path. That's supposed to be their entry point, so that's the page we need to display. So they, there are some fairly simple ways that even they could get around it um, around the cloaking part because it would only matter if you were coming in at, say, the home page or another point on the site and navigating through. Yes, that you know page X may change for you if you were on organic versus coming in from paid. I'm using a simple example, but it gets much it's more elaborate than that. Stri- strictly speaking, we're not, we're not really manipulating the index. We're more manipulating the user. Exactly. Exactly. We're augmenting <laughs> it for the That's user, okay. not for the index. <laughs> Uh, what I found interesting, though, was the idea of a machine learning what these paths are. Obviously, it's dangerous, right? Obviously, that needs some refinement. Am I would if they launched it tomorrow? Would I install it on all the sites I work on? Heck no, <laughs> right? Like it's a it's a frightening thing to me. It's like um, auto bid management on on Google AdWords. But I can definitely see that when it evolves a little bit more. Um, how, especially in specific segments of the site, where you know we all have them on our site, blogs and things like that, things that are generally non-converting sections. Yeah, would I sort of let it go in there and see what it does? Sure, why not? <laughs> like, let's see how it adjusts my site for different people and doesn't improve my, my stick time when people enter at a page, get the information they want and bounce off. Do they make better extrapolations than I do about what type of content should follow to maybe keep the users more engaged? There you go. Okay, we are into our final minute, and I really wanted to spend a lot more time on this, but we, we're not going to be able to. SMX is on right now. PubCon is on next week in Las Vegas, and both these events have uh, one of the things in common besides attendees is they both have memorials to uh, to Dana Lukadu. Yeah. And uh, we didn't mention on last week's show, Dana passed uh, earlier in September, and uh, she is going to be missed. Um, we, again, not a lot of time to say anything. Dave? No, that's, I mean, you know, anybody who knew her knows, and, and that would be probably most of our listeners, um, knows what a loss this is for the industry. And, uh, you know, I guess the only consolation is that she had a long and very painful battle, and that's over. And my heart goes out to, to her, her husband, Ed, for, Ed, for yeah. what he's having to deal with now, and uh, Alan Blywife, because, of course, they were uh, great, great friends. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, my, my heart goes out to Ed and to Alan. Um, Alan... With, with Ed and friends is setting up a memorial fund for Dana and for, you know, search marketing scholarship. If you're at PubCon and you have a chance, ask anybody from the Moz community or ask Alan. Maybe provided he's not running around trying to get Epic Dinner together. Friends, 
We're at the end of the show. On behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm on the 1st of October, 2015. We're going to be back here in our seats. Sadly, not from Vegas, but we're going to be back here in our seats next week. Have a wonderful week. Stay safe. We love you all. Talk to you. Happy travels. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.